Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Nicodemus was one of the most God-fearing people of his generation. Yet, when he came to Jesus, Jesus told him that without spiritual rebirth, he could not see, understand, or ever enter the kingdom of God. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 3 and look at this essential Bible principle of spiritual rebirth in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Friday morning here in Texas. Hopefully y'all are doing well, just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to talk to Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, growing to help other people know Jesus. It's the reason we exist, right? Colossians 1, I think like what, 15 to 17, right? Um, says he created everything and everything was created not only by him, but for him. And I think it's verse 17 says that he holds everything together. Jesus is the glue that holds the whole universe together. So, uh, <laughs> thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, not only did he create everything, did he create mankind, but then he came into the world to save mankind because we went bad. Uh, all human beings have sinned. Um, all of us, the Bible says, have failed. We've done wrong. Uh, we are sinful in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. And because of that, we are hopeless and we are dead in our sin. And we need a savior to give us life. And uh, God, the son, Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity came into the world of his own will and decision, took on a human form as a man, lived a perfect life for us, died a perfect death for us, is indeed alive and risen and uh, desires relationship and intimacy with all of us. But the only way to have that is to humble ourselves, to acknowledge our sinfulness, our complete helplessness, and uh, our belief that only in Jesus Christ can our sin be forgiven. Can we have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And can we ultimately go to heaven when we die? Only in Jesus Christ. Um, God has given his word. Jesus said it of his own mouth, right? John, this book we've been studying, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, and the reason for that is there's no other way for us to have our sins forgiven, right? So, thank you, Lord Jesus. So, uh, where are we? I got a new shirt today. Um, I was, uh, different folks have commented about uh, apparently my, uh, you know, my attire is not very nice. And so I went out and I, Found some new t-shirts. I like t-shirts. I'm a little bit more casual. And uh, a lovely woman named Christine helped me um, to pick out, uh, you know, I got four of these, um, two of the green and two different colors. Um, and uh, we spent some time. She's uh, she's from Germany and been here five years. And we were talking about some of the, the great church fathers that, uh, you know, Martin Luther and Bonhoeffer, that uh, German 
German pastors and uh, scholars that, um, that have just given us so much by the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, she's just very good at this. So thank you, Miss Christine, for your, your wonderful help. I really like these t-shirts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Now today, today we're, uh, we're moving into John chapter three. We've, uh, we've completed all the teachings in John one and in John two. And now we're moving into John chapter three. And today um, we're going to do verses one through four. Uh, John, the gospel of John chapter three, verses one through four. Um, uh, it's it's a very very powerful passage. Um, we're going to be introduced to a man named Nicodemus, right? He's uh, he's an extremely extremely well known biblical character. Um, Nicodemus was a uh, a Pharisee. He was one of the highest rulers in the land. Um, he was a member of what was called the Jewish ruling council. Um, uh, so again, he would have been very high up in the, uh, you know, in the order of, you know, um, you know, in the order of how, you know, the priests were ranked, right? He would have been a very high ranking official. So we'll go ahead and pray and then we'll read it and we will get rolling. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for becoming a man for us and living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us, Lord Jesus. We, we thank you that you are alive and risen and we just worship you today, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you for living in us leading us, guiding us, comforting us, and counseling us, Holy Spirit. We just thank you. We give our lives to you today, Holy Spirit. We give this time to you. We ask you to lead us and guide us. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. That's coffee. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. John 3, 1 through 4. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so very, 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 very deep and powerful verses as they are in all the scriptures, right? Now, there was a man of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, you remember as you go throughout the scriptures, you see these two sects, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, the Pharisees were, were, were more theologically correct, right? They believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels um, where, where the Sadducees doubted all these things, right? Um, so the Pharisees were more theologically sound, okay? 
Um, but yet the vast majority of them still did not recognize or receive Jesus when he came, you know, when he came to earth and when he lived, right? Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. So again, as I said previously, we see here that this is a very high-ranking religious official in the group of the Pharisees, okay? Very high up, a member of the Jewish ruling council, okay? So to be a, uh, to be a member of the Jewish ruling council um, in the Pharisees, you would have, again, um, you would have been educated. Nicodemus is a, is a Greek name. Um, and, uh, and again, you would have just been, uh, you would have had tremendous theological understanding. Um, you would have spent an immense amount of time in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Um, and, and again, you'd have given your life to this, right? And you would have been extremely highly respected by all the people. I mean, when Nicodemus comes walking, people step aside, right? Moving out of his way, Christine, when Nicodemus comes, right? Um, so we're, we're talking about a very serious, religious, accomplished man, right? Extremely accomplished in his belief um, in God and in all the Jewish traditions, right? In Abraham and just uh, the whole Old Testament, right? Would have been devout on top of devout, right? Um, undoubtedly, Nicodemus is probably more devout in his walk with God than maybe anyone alive is today, believe it or not, okay? Now, as many of the Pharisees were, but here's the key, okay? We can be all of these people, right? These Pharisees, the Jewish ruling council, the Sadducees, these incredible devout Jews, okay? were tremendously devout in their in their devotion to God, right? But hear me, without Jesus Christ, as he's going to teach Nicodemus here, it will do you no good, okay? You can be tremendously devout to God, but without Jesus Christ in your life, without what he tells Nicodemus as, a new birth or to be born from above, you have no life at all and no, no ability to have your sins forgiven, nor can you go to heaven. And, and that's, again, that's not a popular thing to say, but that's what the Bible teaches, right? There are people in various religions all over the world, right? Well, whatever they are, right? It can be it can be Buddhism, it could be Islam, it can be uh, Hinduism, right? Um, and in all the religions around the world, and they can be so devout, but without Jesus Christ, there is no life, there is no forgiveness of sins, and there's no way to go to heaven. There's no way to have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Scripture plainly teaches. So the highest, the highest form of love that we can offer is to share this with people, right? Romans 3.23 says that every human being falls short of God's standard. And all these people would admit that, right? I've never met someone from another religion. I've, I've met wonderful 
you know, um, you know, Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and all of them admit they're sinful. Right. But they have this scale mentality oftentimes. Right. They're hoping that God's going to put the good on this side of the scale and the bad on this side. And they hope the good outweighs the bad. Um, but that's the Bible teaches that good doesn't take away bad. The scale doesn't work. We need a savior. Right. We're hopeless and helpless. We need a savior to save us from our sin, to forgive us of our sin, to completely take away our sin, right? Again, good deeds don't take away bad deeds. We need a savior, right? I've said this before. If I murder somebody in the state of Texas today and I go before the judge, I can't tell the judge, judge, look at all the good I did, right? It wouldn't matter. All the good I did wouldn't take away that sin and I'd spend life in prison or be executed. How about if I'm driving along today, I just blow through that red light. Policeman pulls me over. I say, whoa, ho, 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 officer. Whoa. I didn't go. I, I didn't run through the last 50. Wouldn't matter. All the good I did and not blowing through those 50 would not take away the fact that I ran through this red light and I'd have to pay that ticket. Right. Because good doesn't take away bad in the same way. We need a savior. Right. Because all of us have done bad. All of us have sinned in many different ways. We've sinned in our thoughts, words and deeds. And we still do. Right. It's something that that we should be working on. I do. But still. Right. We have a nature of sin and we live in that. Right, Kristen. And so we need to trust in Jesus Christ. Right. We need to rely on Christ. Right. That's why Jesus became a human man. And we're going to learn here that Jesus is going to say we can only have new life. In him. Right. We can only have spiritual life and rebirth in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right. How do you do that? Well, Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right. But it's not the words that save us, right? It's, it's, a, it's a genuine humility. It's humbling ourselves, acknowledging our sinfulness, acknowledging our hopelessness and helplessness, and running to Jesus, saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen. And I call on you now, Jesus, and I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart, I ask you to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you, be, that's how you have new life, right? So Nicodemus, so give your life to Jesus today if you've never done that, right? Like, Everyone in the world, 8 billion people need to give their life to Jesus today. And, and really, to, I want everybody to be saved. But what I want more than that is for Jesus to come. The Bible ends with the Apostle John saying, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. And we echo that today. Come, come, Lord Jesus. Yes, come, Lord Jesus, right? We want Jesus to come back and become the king of the world, right? And... uh and set this place right. Now, there's all kinds of theology that happens, right? We have a rapture. We There's all kinds of things that happen, right, Keith? But, um, but ultimately, you know, when Jesus comes, 
everything else will take care of itself, right? And until then, we seek him, right? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right relationship, right living, right loving in Jesus. And it says, and everything else, you know, will take care of itself. Everything else will be, you know, will handle itself, right? All right. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. Nicodemus is an older man here for sure. Could be double Jesus's age or more, right? Jesus is 30. Remember, Jesus's ministry was only three and a half years. He lived to around 33 and a half. So Nicodemus could be between 60 and 70 years old, right? He is clearly an older man. Verse two, it says he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. So go back to chapter two and look at the, the last three verses, right? Remember, we did these last time. Chapter two, verse 23. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name, right? So Nicodemus was clearly one of these people that that mentions, right? Because Nicodemus sees his miraculous signs. And, and it says right there in 23, many people saw the miraculous signs and believed in his name. So Nicodemus was one of these. And, you know, in verse 24, it says, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in a man. We talked about that last time that, uh, you know, we need to believe in Jesus. We need to trust in Jesus. But our belief in him or our unbelief in him does not add or take away from him, right? Nor did it when he walked the earth, right? But it says Jesus knew what was in mankind, men and women, right? He knows everything that's in us, everything that's good and everything that's bad. He knows us completely. Nicodemus would, would represent, you know, well, what's good, right? The people who don't trust him, the people who malign him, the people that don't believe in him are representing what's not. Now, as I said, all of us have sin inside of us. But what we see in Nicodemus is representative of what we should all do. Nicodemus, I'll say again, is, is one of the most educated, God-fearing men in the world at this time. There's no doubt of that, okay? He would have known the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. Um, he'd have known them better than, you know, better than anybody, as well as anyone, right? He might've had them near memorized, right? Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I'm sorry. Um, and he would have known those five books as well and better than almost anyone in the world. Okay. That's how the Pharisees studied their Bible. Okay. He's obviously a, a, a thoughtful man, a God-fearing man. But what he doesn't have is Jesus. In all of that, all whatever he was, 60, 65, 70 years of life, if, if not for verse 2, Nicodemus would have perished, right? But thank you, Jesus, for verse 2. Wherever you are today, you need to do what Nicodemus did. This was, 
whatever Nicodemus had done in his life, everything else Nicodemus had done in his life, all the wonderful things he had did, all the time he had spent in the Bible, everything he had given his life to, y'all, would have mattered for not, if not for what he did here. What are the first four words of verse two, Stephen? He came to Jesus. And May, that's all that matters. Rebecca, that's all that's going to matter. We start out these podcasts. We say we hope you're having a, a good time in Jesus, living for Jesus, Melanie, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, forgiving for Jesus, right? Carissa, these are the things we spend our lives doing, Scott, right? He came to Jesus at night. He came to Jesus. Okay? Nothing would have mattered in his life if not for those words. He came to Jesus, right? And we're going to see here, he's going to be there in John 19. It's in verse 39, I believe, where he will be there to help Joseph of Arimathea bury Jesus, right? And prepare Jesus's body for the tomb, right? So, you know, he is, he is one who gave his life to Jesus. So the point of this is you can be the most religious person in the world, but without you personally receiving and knowing and trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, it won't matter. But Nicodemus came to Jesus. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. Why does he go at night? We're not sure. It could have been that it's possible that he was, uh, you know, he didn't want anyone to see him because, you know, the almost all the religious leaders didn't believe in him. Right. They were they were wanting they were wanting like a conquering king. They were wanting a savior like King David. Right. Um, or Alexander the Great. They were thinking of this great conqueror that they wanted um, to come and, you know, and to bring a new world, right, with Israel, you know, and the Jewish people as the ones running it. That's what that's what they were looking for, right? Jesus came to bring new life, right? New life with him as the one running it, right? Running it as he lives in all of us and ultimately coming back, right? Uh, tangibly, physically, he will return. But right now, his heart is to run it as he lives in us, right? Um, according to his principles, according to the principles of the kingdom of God. So, again, they wanted a conquering king. The Jewish people of this time, again, that would come, that would make Israel and the Jewish people the, you know, the, the envy of the world. Okay? Um, where Jesus came uh, to bring new life. And to make, and he himself would be the king of the world, right? Um, and certainly Israel and every person in the world it's open to, right? Chapter uh, uh, verse 16 of this book says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Certainly Israel and the Jewish people he's calling unto himself and every person in the world um, is called to give their lives lives to Jesus Christ. Okay? Um and so again, um, they were they were looking for a conquering king, not a suffering servant. 
right? Which is what Jesus was when he walked the earth. Now he will come back, make no mistake, as a conquering king. So again, he, he could have been embarrassed or maybe he just wanted a private audience with Jesus. We're not told why he, why he goes at night, but the, the Apostle John who writes this book uh, makes it clear that he comes at night. Um, and again, maybe he just wanted a personal conversation. He calls Jesus rabbi, right, and teacher, so he is respectful of him. And it's an interesting scene. It really is an interesting scene, Jose, because again, you have this older man again, and maybe there's only two, three, four people above him from the high priest, from the, the highest ruler in the land. We're not, we're not told, right? Um, but he's a very high ruler himself, Nicodemus, and he postures himself with such humility before Jesus. And the irony is in the conversation, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus postures himself as the authority, right? It's kind of it's kind of interesting when you read the four gospels, never do you find Jesus speaking as if anyone can teach him anything. Ever. And we can't because he already knows everything. If you know everything, you can't learn anything. Makes sense, right? So, you have this this when you when you really step back and look at this scene, you have the older 60 whatever year old man in a very high position, posturing himself, asking questions to the young 30-year-old man in Jesus. And just to view the conversation, it looks awkward, right? Because Jesus, Jesus allows Nicodemus to posture himself in that way. And that's how it should be. And that is, this is again, a picture to all of us, right? Sometimes we can get very confident in our own understandings, our own wisdom, our own insight, our own knowledge, and we can speak like we know something, right? Um, Paul said, the man who thinks he knows something does not know as he ought to know, right? We, we really know very little, right? Jesus Christ is God, right? So when we come to Jesus, sometimes one of the impediments of coming to Jesus is our own pride, our own belief that we know something or got it figured out. But Nicodemus doesn't do this. He says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. Amen. Right? Um, and so clearly Jesus is from God. Jesus is not only from God, he is God. Right? So Nicodemus does not have that revelation yet. Right? Look at Jesus says in verse three, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. <laughs> Extremely famous scripture, okay? Um, Nicodemus says, we know you, you have to be from God, you know, because you couldn't do all these things, you know, if God were not with you. Um, and Jesus says, you know, you're not going to be able to see or understand or enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again, right? Now, what does this mean? Very, 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 very interesting scripture, very powerful scripture. It's interesting that this is how Jesus answers Nicodemus, right? Um, Jesus is basically telling Nicodemus, that you're coming to me, you call me rabbi, you call me teacher, you say these things, but unless you have 
new life, nothing will make sense to you and nor will you be able to, to understand heaven or go to heaven. Look at this. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. This is certain, Jesus said. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So again, we've heard this term born again. It simply means a spiritual birth or a birth from above, right? A, a heavenly rebirth, right? You and I were naturally born, physically born. We came out of our mother's womb. Physically, we were born. But Jesus is talking about a spiritual rebirth from above, right? A heavenly rebirth. And we're not going to be able to see the kingdom of God unless we're born from the kingdom of God from above, right? Unless we have a heavenly rebirth, unless we become spiritually alive, right? Now, why do we need this? The Bible says again that, that we are born with a sinful nature, okay? We're born with a, a nature that wants our own way and is selfish, okay? And because we have this nature of sin, right, Pop? We, we have sinful thoughts, we speak sinful words, and we do sinful things. Because we have this nature, we enter this world, we come into the world naturally alive when we're infants, when we're born from our mothers, when we're naturally alive. But because we have this sinful nature, we are spiritually dead. Our spirit is dead to God. Now, when you heard me say earlier, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name will be saved. When you call on Jesus, okay, knowing your need of him, knowing you're hopeless and helpless, and you, you, you genuinely ask him, you humbly ask him, desiring him, asking him to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin, and you place your, your full trust and confidence in Christ alone. When you do that, he actually does come and live inside of you. When you ask Jesus humbly and genuinely, right, and, and zealously, to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, desperately knowing your need of him, he enters into you and he joins his spirit, his Holy Spirit, to your spirit. And when he does that, when, when the Holy Spirit becomes one with your spirit, boom, there's an explosion of life and your spirit goes from being spiritually dead to when the power, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit enters your spirit, boom, your spirit comes into resurrection life. Your dead spirit, right, is resurrected and becomes spiritually alive. And now you have been born again spiritually and you are a spiritually alive being. You're alive. You are one with the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of your Heavenly Father, the Spirit of Jesus. You are one with them. You're married to Jesus in spirit because you're one with him. You're married to him and you're called the bride of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. You're now connected to all the believers all around the world, right? It's pretty exciting, right? Um, God the Father is now your Heavenly Father because because God is spirit, the Bible says, right? God the Son took on a human form and became a man, right? But God is spirit. So God the Father now 
becomes your heavenly father because you are spiritually alive and you're his child in and through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior and Master and King. The the Holy Spirit becomes your, your guide, your counselor, your comforter. And you now have relationship with the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're all God. They are actually individual entities, okay? Um, they're all one in the fact that they're, they're God. They're all all-knowing, all-powerful, um, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. They're everywhere. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So that's what Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus. Now, obviously, this would be a very hard thing 2,000 years ago for somebody to understand, right? But, you know, again, I love how Jesus, Nicodemus, postures himself in humility. And because of that, we have this incredible, incredible insight, okay? Nicodemus did not know that when he asked that question, we would get one of the most famous verses of all time in history. But you'll never know. You and I will never know what we can get until we can, until we humble ourselves before Jesus, before we go to Jesus, as Nicodemus did, and we, we genuinely humble yourself. If you have questions today, if you're not sure about things, humble yourself before Jesus like this man did. Go to him and say, Lord Jesus, help me to understand you. Help me to, help, help me to make sense of this, Lord Jesus. And be sincere and be genuine. And he will. Right? He won't turn away anyone that comes to him with a sincere heart and wants to know him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Nicodemus didn't know when he came to Jesus that, that we'd have this in our Bible, right, for all eternity. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Have you been born again? Are you spiritually alive today? Is Jesus Christ living in you? Are you excited about the word of God and the son of God and walking with Jesus? Is Jesus living in you today? Thank you, Lord Jesus. If he is living in you, then continue to humble yourself that you might know him better. If, if, you don't, if you're not sure, give your life to him as we talked about already and we showed you how to do that. Verse four, Nicodemus, again, now we don't understand completely why he's asked this question. He may have, he may have thought Jesus was speaking metaphorically about some kind of, you know, um, <clears throat> moral truth or something like that, right? Um, you know, or, or, you know, maybe Nicodemus is like I am oftentimes. Oftentimes I'm always thinking about the physical, where Jesus is speaking about the spiritual, right? Because look what Nicodemus says. In response to Jesus saying, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Verse four, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. So again, Nicodemus, again, there's a possibility he, he's, he's saying this, thinking that Jesus is being metaphorical, you know, or he's, he's just uh, giving him an you know, an example that, you know, that he doesn't understand. Or there's a possibility that, again, he has, he clearly has no, no concept or no understanding of a new birth, right? And what that means, um, of a spiritual new birth, right? Um, 
And so he actually says that. What, what are we what, what are we even talking about here? Right now, the interesting thing is, again, um, the Jewish people, again, at that time and regrettably still many today. And there are many people who are of all religions. Remember, there are Jewish people biblically and non-Jewish people and we're called Gentiles. Um, but they had believed that their heritage, their natural birth, being born, you know, as a, a natural Jewish person, right, um, of a Jewish heritage of Abraham's line, there was this belief that that was what assured them their entrance to heaven. But as we've already said, the scripture is clear and Jesus says here, no, your, your, your Jewish heritage won't assure you, Nicodemus, and it won't, none of our physical or natural heritage, whether whatever we are, okay? As I told you, biblically, there's only Jews and Gentiles, the people who have a Jewish heritage and those who don't. Now, for the rest of us, you know, we have all kinds of, of different heritages, right? Whether we're, you know, um, we could be Chinese, we can be, you know, um, Polish or German or, you know, or, or whatever we are, right? Irish, um, um, you know, Brazilian, you know, you know, we can go on and on, all of them, right? Um, but none of that will save us. We need a new heritage and it needs to come from above, not from our natural birth. Our natural birth does nothing to save us. All our natural birth does is give us sin. And in Christ, that sin is forgiven and paid for and taken away and Jesus himself comes to live in us in the form of the Holy Spirit, and we have new life. Um, but again, even today, oftentimes Jesus is trying to teach us something or speak to us. But like Nicodemus, we're, we're locked in the physical, where, where Jesus is speaking about the spiritual, and that's often the case today. So um, when we, when we go, come to hear from Jesus, right, when we listen to the word of God, right, Jesus is often trying to speak to us. And he's trying to give us a spiritual truth, but we are often locked into a uh, to a physical mindset, right? So, well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your incredible word, Lord. We thank you just, uh, we thank you for the scriptures, Lord. We thank you for um, just this incredible insight into the life of this, this big brother in Christ, Nicodemus. Lord, I thank you that... Uh, that Nicodemus came to, to see you, Jesus, and I pray for us one and all, Lord, this day, that all those who don't know you will humbly go to you, Jesus, that they might have life, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that they would all come to you, Lord Jesus, that they might have new birth and spiritual life and the forgiveness of sins in and through you, Lord Jesus, our only Savior and Master and King. Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your incredible word, Father. But above all, we thank you for Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now today, wherever we go and with whomever we're with. Continue to give us eyes that see and ears that hear and help us to live out the lesson. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.